Blog Talk Radio. This, this is all about wine. All about wine. The talk show is in the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast. And around, and around the world. The world. You know, we really have had some big people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine. And now, all about wine is on. Here's Ron. Yes, yes. Us people. I guess it, it, it's a little bit of rain out there, so I guess they're trying to stay dry and inside the bus tonight because well, they don't want the water down their wine in the glasses, so they're staying in the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, get into the chat room here. Good. Okay. So. We are ready. If you would like to chat, then uh, bring yourselves into the uh, comment section on Facebook or uh, YouTube, or you can get on the chat box on uh, the All About Wine Show page for this episode and uh, start chatting. Make it about wine, please. Okay. Since we are all about wine, with a uh, few sidetracks when we talk wine. about it, but yeah, but all about wine. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, next Thursday is our big show, and uh, we hope you will join us and enjoy it. And if you are a Blog Talk only uh, listener, you may want to catch it on video because uh, there's some. We go back, and uh, the intro is now about almost seven minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Be sure to put it in archives so we can have it. Yeah. I was I was almost done with it uh, the other night, and. Uh, last night and all of a sudden I'm listening to an audio file today and I go, Oh man, that's a different intro. I should put that in there. <laughs> uh, yeah. go back to that and we still got a week to go. It. So it could, yeah. could yeah. expand up to even 10 minutes before everything's said and done. Yeah. Before you know it's the whole show. The whole show. It's just the opening. And then at the end go, that's a good bye. Yeah. That's it. And that's Thank it. you for joining us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, thanks for our 13th yeah. episode. <laughs> our 13-year yeah. anniversary. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pretty funny going going back through it and, and picking out the little things and, and doing that. And, um, yeah, it's going uh, to be pretty cool. So I, uh, I've been going back listening to a few clips here and there, too, and, and make compiling a list of who's been on the show and all that. And uh, I, it's it's fun to listen to them. It really is. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. There's some great guests on over the years. It's some really interesting, great guests. So tune yeah. in next week uh, for our 13th anniversary special. Yeah. 13th anniversary uh, which, special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's when we finally got you on the air. We had tried like two weeks before that was on yeah. one of the clips. And... On the 19th of March, it was like, hey, you're finally here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, you're, and you're going, really? And I go, yeah, here we are. Unbelievable. So, uh, and we have problems yeah. off and on over the first couple of years, too, connections and disconnections mm-hmm. and, and not being able to hook yep. up for some reason. We couldn't figure out why. And then we used other formats yeah. and finally went to Block Talk Radio, and then they gave us fits. And, oh, my gosh, it was just yeah. But we've been pretty solid since then. Well, except for the past year, Mike is disconnected, but you all haven't noticed that yeah, as much because he wasn't in the middle of saying something when it happened, you know, like happens with me. Yeah. So. And then I'm like, hello. Are you, hello. There? <laughs> Are you there? And yeah. I look on and go, Mike's gone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, so it, uh, it does, uh, the intro is going to uh, have some, not outtakes because they all went, on the air because we are a live show. We're not an edited show. 
and right. uh, except a couple of times we had to. But uh, so there are you know a couple of outtakes uh, and uh, some of the intros from years past. And um, so if you get a chance to you know tune in, watch the watch the video portion of the of it, and uh, hope you enjoy it. That's next Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, on uh, Facebook and YouTube video or on Blog Talk Radio for the audio-only version. So uh, you'll hear both. You'll hear it on all of them, but it's just it's kind uh, of funny watching the video. The video, he's putting some pictures and stuff up like that, so it'll be a little bit more fun on that. So check it out. He's yeah. he's working hard. We're both, you know, excited about another anniversary. Yeah. I don't know why 13 has just yeah. caught us. I guess because we discovered it in advance far enough that we can do this. The rest of them, we just go, oh, my gosh, it's our anniversary. Yeah, so this one, we're Right. What, what we're was ready. last week? Was that our anniversary? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, that's how we yeah. used it. Now, this one, we caught it a couple of three weeks in advance. So we're able to right. able to prepare for it. So that's cool. That's and right. also next Thursday yeah. is St. Patrick's Day. So don't go out drinking. Just stay home and listen to the show. Yeah. So yeah. That's, or drink and listen to the show. You'll have a good time. That, that's it. Yes. Yes. There you go. There you go. Today is the 10th of March. This is National Ranch Dressing Day. I don't think that's going to pair with wine very well, but, you know, it could be good for dipping your wings into it and pairing that with wine. Uh, Tomorrow is Johnny Appleseed Day, which, you know, all apple fruit. You know, there's something like 500 different apple varieties. Right. Yes, I was reading something the other day. There's there's a guy in New York who has something like 350 of them planted, and he said that there are over 500 different varieties of apples. He has the most of anybody, and people from around the world buy seeds from him for the different varieties. Oh. I, I can't remember all that because I didn't think I was going to be talking about this or else I would have paid more attention. But there are over 500 different varieties of apples. And some of them are old that haven't been grown in so long that they've almost forgotten. But he still has seeds for them. And some of them are very sweet and some of them are very crisp and some of them are tart and all sorts of different types of apples. But yes, over 500 different varieties of apples. I, I read that and I go, nah, that can't be right. But 500. But today, or I'm not today, tomorrow, Johnny Appleseed Day. Uh, Saturday, open up a bottle of wine and organize your home office. It's home office day. Organize your home office day Saturday, which because of COVID, we probably all have home offices we need to organize. Sunday, National Chicken Noodle Soup Day. I was trying to think of a wine that went with that when I first read that earlier. And you know, maybe something sweet. I don't know. Depends on your chicken noodle soup, I guess. Also, Sunday, daylight saving time begins again for another year, 2 o'clock in the morning. So set your clocks for 2 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. Get up and move every one of them forward one hour. Those are all of your... Don't worry about your digitals, because if your digitals are hooked up, TV and stuff like that, then they automatically switch for you. But all the others have to be done by hand. So 2 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, spring forward one hour. Public service announcement. Monday, National Potato Chip Day. And all sorts of different varieties of potato chips. I... I've known people who love to have wine with potato chips. I, I guess it's that saltiness that adds something to it. I could never get into it myself, but whatever floats your boat. The 15th is National Kansas Day, as in the state, Kansas. I don't think this is National Kansas Wine Month or anything along that line, but it is National Kansas Day. Tuesday is National Curl Crush Day. Uh, various textures of hair. Hmm. So whatever. It seems to me like this list right here is is searching for something to celebrate each day. So they pulled up some of that instead of food so often. 
And then next Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, and we will be celebrating our 13th anniversary on All About Wine. So things to look forward to over the next week. Thanks to open up a bottle of wine. And as far as wine days go, there's nothing happening this next week. Nothing at all on on my calendar list. So that is it for the coming week for celebratory events. But hey, you can always find a reason to drink wine. So it's not necessary to say, oh, no, I don't have any reason. You can always find a reason to open up a bottle of wine. All right. Now, let's see what we got here. I've got, oh, well, let's start out with how to tell if a wine goes bad. And if I can find this, there it is. You open up a bottle of wine, you drink all of it, or you drink half of it, you put the rest of it away. I know, I know who puts the rest of one away, but that's the rest of the way. You pull it out in a few days, you go drink it, and it's just not right. Is it bad? Well, there's ways, certain things you can do. Certain things you can do if a wine's bad as soon as you open it, or after you've had it sitting around for a little bit, or if you bought it, and you bring it home, and you open it, and you look at it, it doesn't seem right. Let me give you a few things to look at that you don't have to be a wine connoisseur to tell, just watch. Number one, look at the wine itself. Pour it into the glass and look at it. Does it look fresh? Is it a clear, clean color? Is it a red wine? Is it a good red color, a good burgundy color? Or does it look a little brownish or even brownish on the edges? These are things you need to look at on every wine because if you start getting too much of a brown in the wine or too much brownish on the edges, that could mean the wine is oxidized, which simply means that there's it's been exposed to too much oxygen and it's starting to go bad on you. Not going to hurt you if you drink it, but don't. If it's cloudy or leaves a film in the glass and it should start at clear and then go cloudy, it could be an indication that there are some microbial activity that's occurring in the bottle. Again, be cautious. If it browns, a good way, you know how an apple starts turning brown if you leave it out in the air. Cut an apple open, let it set there for a while, starts browning. It's exposed to the oxygen. And that's the same thing as wine. Uh, The browning isn't bad, but it's not good. It sort of leaves what do you mean, a, a, a tawny colored, like tawny port, sort of like a tawny color to it. Also, be careful for wine you pour it and it has bubbles, and it's not supposed to have bubbles. Now, sparkling wine, yeah, any type of sparkling wines or effervescent wines, yeah, will have bubbles. But if it's not supposed to have bubbles, that could mean that it's going through a second fermentation uh, uh uh, malolactic fermentation, which is not good. Uh, it can make the wine taste funny and, you know, a sort of a sour, spritzy taste that is a good indication, a good way to describe it. Uh, brown isn't always bad, but overall, you really need to look for that and also look if it's bubbling, it's not supposed to be. I had one of my wines start going through a second fermentation. Oh my gosh, I had a problem with that. For about two months, I had a problem with that. And it finally, I got it settled down, got a new batch out, and everything was fine. But it was a pain to try to get that thing taken care of. I dumped a lot of them and, and sold some that got out that I, before I realized it. And we had some that people said that it exploded on them. Oh. What a mess. Okay. Now, what does it smell like? This is another good indication if a wine is going bad on you. And the smell is going to not be wine smell. And you say, yeah, well, that's obvious. But, yeah, that may be obvious. But what does it smell like? 
uh, if it's is the wine is turned to a vinegary form from the bacteria that is inside that forms the acetic acid, then it's going to smell something like vinegar. It's not vinegar. It's a special process to turn wine, to make vinegar wine. So people go, oh, this is turned to vinegar. No, it doesn't. It turns to bad wine. That's really what it is. But if you smell vinegar or sauerkraut, which is another good indication because sauerkraut is full of vinegar anyway, or just a sharp smell, something that uh, you can't describe any other way than sharp, then there you go. That's probably from the acidic acid. And that's not a good thing. Oxidation. That's when a wine gets exposed to air and it starts to oxidize. Um, described as stale, I guess, is a good word for it. If you smell applesauce, uh, burnt marshmallow, think over the open fire and it catches on fire, the marshmallow catches on fire. That smell, that you smell that in wine, not good. Or a little nutty smell. These are all indications that it could be oxidized. And reduction is another one. Uh, these are, uh, reductions always uh, uh, hard to explain. These are, these are found in the wine before opening. Uh, reductive wine is one that has faults that the winemaker should hopefully try to take care of or catch before it's bottled, but doesn't always. But these are found in a wine before opening, and what you're going to get on those smells is going to be a cabbage smell, uh, burnt rubber possibly, or a garlicky smell. These are all indication of reduction, which is a bad wine. Don't drink it. You know, take it back to the store. In fact, all these, if you open up a bottle of wine that you've just bought and you get any of these faults in it, take it back to the store, especially liquor stores. If you're, they're selling a wine that is gone bad, they will want to know it. And so take it back to the liquor store and let them know that it's bad. And they will be more than happy to make it good, I'm sure. Most liquor stores are. My engineer just brought me in. This evening's wine. This is Apothic Inferno. And this is whiskey barrel aged for 60 days. It is a 2018 red blend. 15.9% alcohol. Wow, this is really high in the alcohol by volume. Let's hope they have it balanced well because if not, it's going to, could be bad. Apothic, inspired by the Apotheca, a mysterious place where some of the earliest wine was blended and stored. Apothic Wines offers a truly unique wine experience. Inferno, a red blend emerges from the flames, uh, creating a moist white. This is really, they got this in red, and it's really hard to read. Uh, creating a, a most unexpected and masterful encounter. Paying tribute to a time-honored craft, this wine has been aged for 60 days in whiskey barrels, creating bold notes of red and dark fruit with layers of maple and spice. Says American Red Wine. Bottled by Apothic Wines, Modesto, California, and let's see. Oh, that's pretty much it. The government warning, as always, required by law, and so the, that's on there. But that's it. Uh, we've had the apothic. I love the apothic wines before. Uh, this is the apothic infernal, not the apothic red. But they are all very good wines. This has got a nice little raised label on it with the A. They you can. Buy them almost anywhere. The Parthic wines are available just about everywhere. And it's uh, out of, uh, what did I say, Modesto. Okay, yeah, there it is, Modesto. So, and since we're taking a wine break, 
Oh, I always love it. It doesn't give you that hot nose. It doesn't give you that smell of increased alcohol in the nose, which is always very nice. Hmm. Got a a nice aroma. It's got a nice... Uh, what did this do here? Oh, there it is. A nice dark fruit aroma. I want to say you can smell the oak, but the oak is sort of subdued. I guess it's the whiskey barrels that while you're getting the subdued oak. The legs aren't too bad on it. Again, for those of you who are into legs, they're a little fast moving, which seems unusual because people usually say that the higher alcohol creates slower legs, but this they're rather fast. Oh, no, not too bad. Let's see the taste. Oh, that's very nice. It's got a nice balance between the the, the the oak, the tannins, and the acid, the alcohol is not real strong, which is really a good thing. At nineteen or at fifteen point nine percent, you would expect the alcohol to, to start coming up in the taste, but it doesn't. It's got some nice dark fruity flavors to it, uh, dark berries and and blackberries and stuff like that, blueberries. As uh, very well balanced too. Nice aftertaste. Uh, the fruitiness comes out in the aftertaste. Uh, very mouth coating. I enjoy that a lot. It doesn't doesn't just disappear. It just sort of fills the whole mouth. Uh, very nice wine. Very nice. Uh, last week was it last week? Yeah, I think so. I had a Canoe Ridge Red Blend Vineyard Red Blend. I couldn't tell what the grapes were on that one, and so I called them and finally got a hold of somebody, a girl in the, I believe, tasting room, and I asked her what the blend was, and she had no idea. She kept on, Actually, I went to the website first and tried to find it on the website, and they did not have that particular label on the website. They had a bunch of others, but they did not have that one, so... I called and asked what the blend was in this one. And she went through the list of the ones that were on the website. Was oh, it this or that? I said, no, it's nothing on the website. I looked. It's none of those. It's this. And so she goes, I don't know. Let me go check. And so she was gone for a couple of minutes. She comes back and says, I don't know what that was. She says, I'll give me your number. And she said, and I'll get back with you. And I said, okay. And I haven't heard from her yet. So we'll... Uh, We'll see what that is when she calls. And the same thing with this red blend. It doesn't say what the blend is, so I will try to find out through the website. Uh, if they have it on the website, the Apothic Inferno, and if it gives the wine or the grapes that are in this wine. And if not, I will call them also and try to find out. There was one... Oh, my engineer just walked out of the room. I should have asked her. One we had like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that I was going to call and find out. And so I called them a couple of days after I had it on the show to find out what their blend was. And it was like two and a half weeks, almost three weeks. And they finally called me back and let me know what it was. Uh, Petite Syrah, a lot of Petite Syrah that was in it. And so I think I told you something different last week or the week before, but it a lot of petite Syrah. So it's nice of them to let me know. They just don't do it immediately. It, it takes some time. I hope this everybody does call me back. It took a while for the first one. I hope this one does. But I'd just like to pass on what grapes are in it. It's always interesting to know what grapes are in all these. It could be any number of ones. So that's why. But this is good. The Apothic Inferno. It's, it's, it's a good wine. Um uh, Reasonably priced too. I think it was like thirteen dollars, fourteen dollars. So really reasonably priced. Uh, wine faults and uh, bad wines. You're going to get about one in seventy-five. Uh, 
wines that have faults like the ones I just read. And, you know, it's not a good percentage, but I've always said if one is bad and that's the one that you're drinking, then that's one too many. Simple as that. So always check your wine, smell them, all that. And if you think they are bad, if you think it's not what it should be, then return it. If you get it at the grocery store, which a lot of people do, they'll, you know, I've never taken one back to a grocery store. Uh, I have wine shops, but I've never taken one back to a grocery store, so I don't know if, I guess grocery stores would be just as fair as wine shops will or liquor stores. Hmm, I don't know. I mentioned last week that we were going to talk about box wines a little bit, about $95 box wines. Tablas Creek, I get their blog, Tablas Creek blog. It's very good. I, the The blog is really an excellent blog. I enjoy reading. I get it, I want to say, weekly or every two weeks, something like that. And they do a very nice job of putting it together. It usually has pictures with it and tells some very interesting things. They always are very good about the blog, and it's always a good read. Well, let's see. A month ago, that shows how long it's been this has been sitting here, and I've been going to share it to you, and I keep forgetting. A month ago, they came out with their Tablet Creek blog, and they mentioned... The headline, Why We Believe the Time is Right for a $95 Box of Wine. And I read that, and I go, yeah, okay, well, you're Tablet Creek, and of course you're going to think it's good. But they have a good point here. They were really very interesting about their approach to this and how they justified and uh, one of the things, let's see, let me, I, I will quote different things here from the blog. It says, one of the, this is that one of the things that was really driven home to me as I did this research was the importance of the packaging and wine's overall environmental footprint. According to the assessment of the California Wine's Carbon Footprint, uh, which was done by the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance in 2011, he said he used this as his baseline. He said more than half of California's wine impact is due to packaging and glass models, which is not surprising. You can understand that. I mean, you know, uh, to, to make the bottles, to transport them, to get them in, and then, again, shipping them out requires a lot of energy. You know, the high temperatures to mold it and then the, the weight to ship it. And... Lightweight glass reduces the carbon footprint by about 10%, while heavier glass increases it by about 10%. And you know what I mean by light or heavy. You've picked up wine bottles at the store, and you go, wow, this is heavy. Can you imagine a case of that and being shipping it around the country or whatever? So that has to have uh, an impact. The typical... 750 milliliter class bottle, a standard one, you're going to have about the same life cycle impact. And in fact, all of these have about the same life cycle impact. But then packaging on the 750 is about, uh, let's see, 45, about 50, 670, 80, about. 35% of the cost of heavy 750 bottles, about 45% of the cost. Uh, lightweight, special lightweight bottles, about 30% of the cost. But then a three-liter bag in a box, the packaging is only going to be about 10% of the footprint, carbon footprint. I say cost, I mean carbon footprint and all those. Distribution, 
all the others range anywhere from uh, oh, 15 to there's that one's about 15. That one's about 10 percent. But the distribution cost of a bag in a box is only about 5 percent. So this is one of the big things when you're starting to look at shipping costs and and carbon footprints. Rather, a bag in a box is so so much cheaper. So the heat goes from there. It's reducing the wine's carbon footprint tremendously. Uh, so it says now wine boxes are almost entirely bottom shelf, which in the United States is very true. Most of them top out around thirty dollars retail. And he said, uh, he said, given the least expensive wine at the time that they're selling was twenty five dollars. So a box that contains four bottles, which is three liters, was just not an option. So he he looked at the possibilities, and he went on Facebook, and he's making comments on Facebook and what it would take to put a wine that's more expensive into it. And he received a comment from a Jason Mansiborman. Yeah, you know, I think it's M-A-N-C-E-B-O, Mancibo, wrote, really great effort. Tons of respect for your efforts and transparency in that effort. One thing that rubs me a bit wrong is we don't use the bag-and-box three-liter package at all and likely won't as long as it still carries the stigma of grocery store generic. said, leadership requires risk, and without risk, that stigma will never change. And... He goes on to say, be the poster child, do it, go for the change. So, Tabas Creek did. He said they've had their own feelings around the three-liter box evolving and started to look at the issues and about the consumer perception. He felt it was time. Now, let me let me read you the points that he had here on wine in a box. And I know a lot of you are against wine in a box, but let me read you the points. Preservation. When you open a bottle of wine, the liquid inside is exposed to oxygen and starts to clock the clock timing on the destructive effects of oxidation. I just told you about oxidation. If you're careful and rework or recap the wine properly and put it back in the fridge, you can get a week or so of life. If you forget, leave the half-empty bottle on your dinner table. It's likely to be compromised by morning, but not in a bag and box. Because the bag containing the wine deflates inside the box as you pour wine out of its spigot, oxygen never comes into contact with what remains inside and you can keep an open box in good shape for weeks or a few months in your fridge. Point number two, the storage space. It's amazing how much space and weight are taken up by the bottles and the fact that because they're round and breakable, they don't even set snugly next to each other. When we got a look at our first three-liter boxes, they looked so small that we thought the vendor had sent us 1.5-liter boxes. It wasn't until we measured out three liters of water and filled one up that we realized that it was three liters after all. That saved space is extra room in your fridge and in our winery and warehouse. Again, reducing carbon footprint in the winery and space in the refrigerator. So cool. Point number three, portability. Liquid is heavy, but wine boxes are two, or wine bottles are two. The 470 gram or one pound bottles that we use are among the widest on the market. Even so, they end up making up nearly 40% of the finished 1,220 gram or 2.7 pounds weight of a filled bottle. Four full bottles together weigh nearly 11 pounds. The full three-liter bag and box weighs less than seven. That's easier to lift and take with you, 
sure, but it's also cheaper to truck and ship. Plus, glass is breakable. Liquid in a plastic bag inside a cardboard box, not so much. Next point, footprint. The CSWA chart that I was telling you about is clear, it makes the place clearly. Compared to the packaging requirement to put the same wine in 750 milliliter glass bottles, the carbon footprint of the bag in the box package is 84% less. And the carbon footprint of distributing this lighter, more compact package is 60% less. The CSWA study didn't specifically look at the footprint of delivering direct to consumer, but I'm sure the savings of moving to bag in a box is similar, if not greater than the savings via distribution, given all the packaging that's required to ship glass models safely via companies like UPS and FedEx and the greater per bottle transportation footprint of air shipping compared to palletized wholesale transport by truck or rail. So there you go, four excellent points on bag in a box, or wine in a box. Of course, there are unknowns about this package too. It's good for, is it good for long-term aging of wine? Probably not. Is the package recyclable? The boxes are, but the plastic pouches are not, okay? My wife gets wine in a box, my engineer gets wine in a box all the time. She likes the black box wine. And we throw away the bag inside, but I always recycle the cardboard. It's cardboard. There's nothing special about it. It's not lined. It's not coated or anything. So we recycle the cardboard, but the bag inside is not. And so that's always tossed. Uh, so the pouches aren't – actually, they may be in some places. They aren't here in Florida. Although, he points out here, the glass recycling percentage in America right now is a disheartening 31%, which means that a lot of it is still headed for the landfill, which is sad. And the county I live in is not taking glass right now. They, there is no market for it. They stopped recycling glass about a year ago because they cannot find a market for the glass, which, you know, sad but there's no market for glass. He also says, I will, and will people buy it at a price that allows higher-end wineries to adapt the packaging? He floated on Twitter what people were thinking about the new vintage Pantolin Rosé and got some enthusiastic responses. So, he says, it seems like it's time to find the answer to the question, will people buy a high-end wine in a box? To that end, they decided to dip their toes into water by diverting 100 cases of the 2021 Pantolin de Tablas Rosé into 300 3-liter bag-and-box packages. The Pantolin Rosé seems like a good place to start. It's a wine that we suggest that people drink in the near term anyway. So it holds four bottles. It normally, let's see, here we go. Since we're paying less for packaging, we'll be passing along the savings to our consumer, pricing each box at $95 instead of the 112 that the four bottles individually would cost. Space weighs less. Shipping is savings. The box is savings. So they are passing the savings on instead of $112.95. He goes on asking the questions, will people buy it? Will people be interested in it? Will they think this will work? Will they be willing to pay $95 for a box of wine, even though it's four bottles? Yeah, no. Who knows? Uh, this is this is always a question whenever you come out with something new. Will the public embrace it? Will the public be willing? If Tablas Creek can sell their four or their three liter bag in a box for $95, I guarantee you, you will start seeing more and more of them on the shelf from different wineries. 
it doesn't change the taste of the wine. It doesn't affect the quality. It's just cheaper all the way around. The carbon footprint is tremendously less with bag in a box or wine in a box than it would be for bottles. Bottles are expensive. I Different wineries, in fact, one of the people who taught me a lot about wine was working on a new bottle that was, uh, a, I, I want to say plastic, but not really, had a liner on the inside, plastic on the outside, completely recyclable. The cap on it was a self-sealing cap, so as you tilted it and poured it, it aerated it and poured it, but once you set it down, it's sealed again down inside, and you can screw off the cap from the plastic and recycle the whole bottle except for the cap. I have a great idea. Uh, he had it researched. He did everything on it. And he put a lot of money into it. And I, I hate to say this, but health stepped in on his part. And without him championing the invention, it, I think, died, uh, which is really sad to say because he was – so enthusiastic about it and I saw pipes and stuff and I was going to switch over the winery to those bottles and I think it would have worked well. I don't think anybody would have not bought it because of those because it was such a unique bottle and it worked so well. But these are things that you have to do, new things like this. And when you try new things like that, sometimes there's that resistance, sometimes there's that bit of change that people don't like and when you're starting to fight change it's hard to get past that initial thing and once you do then sometimes the floodgates open let's hope maybe that will work on wine in a box uh who knows but tabas creek is now putting out their uh, 2021 rosé in a box and well, they're 2021. What is, is there? Oh, I just read that here. What what was it? Uh, hmm, I don't know. I can't find it. But uh, 20, 2021, uh, there it is, Pantolin Rosé in a, in a three-liter box for $95, which is a deal. And it's, you know, keep it in the refrigerator and pour it out with spigots, wine on tap, if you will, anytime you want to have a nice bottle of of rosé you've got it there and then <laughs> then there's rosés ooh well uh, i've had a chance to taste the pantalon rosé not the 2021 but i've had a chance to taste the pantalon rosé from tablas creek and it is fantastic so you really can't go wrong it's it's got some depth and really is, really is a good wine so there you go $95 for wine in a box and we'll see if more come out and see if this one catch on like I say I get e-letters or blogs from them every couple of weeks so I'm sure if it catches on I will be seeing it in the in the blogs as they come out. And if it doesn't, and if they don't sell, I don't, they don't hold a whole lot of, you know, close to their chest on this stuff. They'll let us know, you know, it was an experiment. It didn't work as well as we thought. We're going to have to discontinue it. But we'll see what happens. I noticed something right before we came on the show tonight that I have to pass on. I have made it no no uh, secret that I'm a sports fan. I always have been. I've been a sports fan all my life. I've played different sports throughout my life. I golf now because I'm too old to get out there and play anything else that requires sacrificing my body, but I can golf and enjoy that. But the baseball strike has been settled. It was settled this afternoon, and they expect the players to be reporting to spring training in Arizona and Florida as early as tomorrow because a lot of them are already yes definitely yeah you're right uh, already tomorrow uh, as early as tomorrow because already a lot of them are 
at the spring training facilities and just playing catch and whatever outside. I mean, there's been reports in the paper of them already starting to get together, although legally they can't be on the field, but nothing says they can't just get together outside the stadium and do it. They have been. So as early as tomorrow, they will be reporting, and they're saying that the first couple of weeks of the season are not lost. They're still planning on doing a full 162-game schedule, and we're going to get a full baseball season in. It's a five-year contract, so this is 2022. We'll have to go through this again in 2027-2028, so something to look forward to on that there, too. But I don't know what the terms were. I don't know what happened. I don't know if you're if you were for the owners or if you were for the players or if you just could give uh, a shit less on who settled what and when. Either way, though, it is settled and it is done. So, like I said, I just, just saw that. just read that. Uh, all right. Now, let me see. I was looking at some some stuff I had saved. Uh, whenever I see articles that are just too much to spend the time reading it, if I'm in the middle of something all that, I'll, I'll throw it in my bookmark file. And I went into my bookmark file and I started to look at different things. I found a site that I saved a long time ago, which I was really happy I saved it now. It's a blog, and it's called The Academic Wino. It is dissecting current research related to wine. Very, very interesting. If you're interested in tuning in yourself, go to The Academic Wino, A-C-A-D-E-M-I-C, Academic Wino. I don't think it's the academic. I think it's just academicwino.com. And there are lots and lots and lots of blogs in there. And what the person does, does it give his name? No, I don't think so. It might be a group of people, too, possibly. Uh, Let's see. About me. Let me see what this is here. The Academic Wino is a blog dedicated to dissecting current research in enology and viticulture and provides fascinating insights and thoughts on the current state of research related to wine. So, there you go. Uh, oh, looks like it's uh, a female that's in charge of this. I graduated in 2004 with a bachelor's degree in biology from St. Michael's College in Gloucester, Vermont. After a few years, moved to Charlottesville, Virginia to pursue graduate school at the University of Virginia. And in May 2011, graduated with my master's degree in environmental sciences. Uh, master's thesis was entitled Ecological and Evolutionary Shifts in Pollen Chemistry and Their Implications for Pollinators. Uh, the wine education started unofficially in Boston, and once I moved to Virginia, my wine education took off, and uh, shows a picture of her and her husband. So, she has a good background. And she even gives a disclaimer here. And when it comes down to it, I'm passionate about wine. I am not by any means a sommelier, a winemaker, or a vineyard management expert. However, my knowledge thus far is much greater than the average American wine consumer. So that accounts for a lot. And she's gotten some awards on her wine blogs uh, over the years here, uh, wine blog awards. But... Academic Wino, and there are lots and lots of great things. So she, she will find things and uh, put them up uh, because they're academic. And her archives goes back to June 2011. He, 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 we beat her by two years. Um, but her archives go back to June 2011. 
And let's see, every month, I think it is here, let's see, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, except for December. Oh, there's a December there, not this year. Yeah, 12 months, 12, 12 times he puts up there. But it's also it's some very good, very good. I, I spent a couple of hours this afternoon going through and reading different ones that I had not read, but there's... Uh, 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 all sorts of categories on here that, that involve wine, and it's not just one aspect. It's a lot of aspects of wine, just about everything that you can imagine. So I, I had to share this with you because it's such a great site, and some of it goes into little little academic talk, a little highbrow on some of the articles and stuff, but nothing that you don't find interesting. Uh, it's not a, some of them are not an easy read, but all of them are an interesting read. So check it out. Academic Wino. And I will hold off. I saw some articles there that I, I want to talk about, but I will hold off and talk about those until future dates because well, they are just really bloody interesting. So, okay. Uh, let me find there was other stuff I found I want to talk about here too. While wow, we're getting getting low on time. Uh, yes, I am scrolling. You can hear it. Uh, Idaho's unusually hot and dry summer and dry winter has had a major impact on the soil for grape growing. It's time of the year when the grape growers are starting to look at seeing what their fruits can do for the next season. And they are a little concerned because it has not been an easy year and a half for wine growers in Idaho. Now, Idaho is a up-and-coming great place for wine it's some reports will say that that is the new go-to place for some great wines but with the lack of moisture and the summer heats this last year and the long streaks of excessive heat really have made it tough normally they've been getting well, on average of 10 tons per acre and it's been down to five and six tons the last couple of years with the berry size being greatly reduced and the yields being down and they're looking at trying to have plants that will survive and survive better in the area um, but they don't know another problem that they've had is smoke uh, the smoke is from the Oregon and California and the fires are far enough away, but they are coming over and settling in the valleys. Grapes are growing in Idaho and giving some smoke issues. Uh, the uh, One of the better wines that they're getting out of Idaho is a Syrah-based blend, which the Syrah is growing extremely well in uh, the valleys of Idaho. And they're concerned with the dryness and the smoke and hopefully that it will not be as bad with the smoke this year as it has in the past and so they're hoping to come out with some decent grapes and wine but if you have an opportunity to try Idaho wines then by all means pick it up it's it's I've had some Idaho wines and the ones I've had were really pretty good. It's they got some great climates and great areas there. And I don't have we talked to any Idaho wineries? I, I'm I'm trying to think if, if we yeah talked. we had uh, we had um, oh who was that out of Moscow, Idaho? Um, oh oh yeah 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 I, I remember mm -hmm. yeah Moscow I remember Moscow. Um, uh, Oh, geez. I didn't come across it. I've been doing research on who we've talked to, and I haven't came across the Idaho well, wines yet. So I, Camas, we talked to Camas Prairie Winery in Moscow, Idaho. Yeah. Okay. That, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, 
And he he has quite a variety of stuff there too, if I remember. He used to he has a bunch of different great planets. So, but if you get a chance to try Idaho wines, then by all means pick them up because there are really some nice wines coming out of there. So, Idaho Idaho wines. Let's see, is that all in that? Yeah, that's all in that section there. It's uh, it's an issue in some of the areas that we never think about of the wines and how they are. And we don't consider them simply because they're not in our face, they're not on the shelf. And if they're not on the shelf, it's not something we say, oh, we need to try that. And you have to look for some of these. Okay, where's... Our next one, I don't know. Uh, Livermore Wineries. I've talked about Livermore before. That's east of San Francisco. Actually, east of San Jose, if you want to get technical about it. It's, it's a little bit further south than San Francisco. And it's right over the mountains. And it is actually one of the oldest wine-growing regions in California. Uh, the AVA... Uh, is in the process of establishing a wine heritage district, which is to help promote the whole area. Uh, once passed, the district will collect 2% of Livermore Valley's wineries, uh, gross California sales in a year. And this initiative expects to collect $700,000 in its first year with the majority of the funds going to marketing, education, and improving the wine quality in the area and all that. So, Livermore Valley, uh, located, what it says here, roughly 50 miles east of San Francisco and then south uh, by about 10 miles. Uh, it's in Contra Costa and Alameda counties. Contra Costa County is the one over the hill. Most everybody has heard of a town in Contra Costa County, Walnut Creek, because if you pay credit card bills, I think there's like four or five headquarters in Contra Costa County at Walnut Creek that collects your bills so when you send it in there. And Alameda County is the one with Oakland in it. And uh, so, uh, but the Tri-City area, Livermore, Dublin, and Danville uh, have uh, had wineries there uh, for years, Winty Vineyards and Concanon Vineyards. Uh, you've probably seen those in stores. They've been out there forever and ever. Uh, in fact, the first commercial vines in the region were planted in 1840. Yeah, that's 1840. And Winty Chardonnay clone that they use is uh, famous. It was brought over from France and used today uh, with more than 80% of American Chardonnay plantings. It's a uh, uh, a French-American clone there, and it's used all over the place. Uh, but even with its history, Livermore is still relatively unknown when you start comparing it to other regions, like Napa Valley or Sonoma or Apostoropos, and which is really sad because Livermore, I actually Livermore was one of the first areas that I really became familiar with. Livermore and Concanon, Winty. I lived in Concord, which is still in Contra Costa County, just north of where these wineries were, and I used to go down there quite often. It was a half hour, 40 minutes to get inside the front door of the winery from where I lived, and so it was an easy trip and always had good wines, and we always had bottles of Winty and Concanon wines on the wine rack at the house there in Concord, and it was something that we it was convenience and we became very familiar last time i was in livermore around livermore valley it was oh my gosh i don't know i think there's like what 120 wineries there now i i want to say that many of us if this if this story tells me uh no it doesn't but there there's just unbelievable number of wineries in that area now and it's it has exploded, but it's still not known for its its wines and stuff. So they're setting up this new fund that will 
start feeding into promotion and uh, wine heritage district is what it's called and it will start feeding into promotion and education and let people know about the region and what it is and where it is and all the good stuff about it uh, it's a fascinating area they've one of the things which at the time I was not playing golf, but uh, Winty, I believe they still have it. Winty has a golf course that winds through their vineyards, which would be really, really cool to play. Uh, it, I wasn't a golfer when I was living out there, but that would really be a, a cool thing to do, play a game of golf through the vineyards. So, uh, let's see, what is that, 50? Oh, 50 miles. Uh, Livermore Valley AVA includes over 50 wineries. Okay, so the Livermore Valley AVA is over 50 wineries. Oh, here it is. Compared to Postal Ropus, which is 180 of them. Okay. Um, Marisol is in Livermore Valley. So... That's probably one of the names that you're used to. That's from Livermore Valley. But uh, Concanon and Winty, you can find those in one grocery stores, I think. Uh, I think they're still being distributed around to grocery stores. So uh, you want to try some, some decent wines at a decent price, then try some of those. They're from Livermore Valley, which is, which is a nice valley uh, for wine growing. I, I noticed I get the San Francisco paper I've mentioned. And I look at the temperature of Concord, and Concord's been getting temperatures in the mid to upper 30s and the highs in the 40s, low 50s. I really don't remember it being that cold when I lived there. I just, I, I really thought it was warmer. But I don't know. I can't remember for sure. So, But every time I look at the temperature there and see how, how cold it is, it always makes me think that it was warmer when I lived there in the winter. I mean, it, it, like this. I don't don't remember it being, and all of you who are in minus freezing temperatures and snow and all that saying, that's not cold. Well, yeah, it is. So, so uh, but Livermore Valley, keep it in mind. Next time you look at Winty, Concanon, Marisu, they're all Livermore Valley. And there's a lot of others, over 50 wineries in that area now. So look for those. And look for $95 box wine. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? It's hard to imagine spending $95 for a box wine. Well, the thing is, you normally don't buy four bottles of something of the same wine at the same time. I think that might have something to do with it there, is that when you're going to buy wine, you don't buy four bottles of the same wine. You usually buy three of this and three of that and or two of this and one of that and two of this one. But to buy three of or four bottles of the same wine is unusual unless you're well, gee, even if you're at a winery and you buy a case of something, it's usually the split cases and stuff, unless you really like it. So but ninety five dollars for a box wine. It's hard to imagine. Tune in next week. We are yeah. going to be celebrating our third 13th birthday. 13 years yeah. of Mike and I. Yes. And let me mm-hmm. say something, too. You know, 13 years of a weekly program. We are not on every other week. We are not on once a month. I was looking up wine shows like this, um, blog shows, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are once a month or every other week, and None of them that I found were live like we are, full of the mistakes mm-hmm. and the errors and the uh, 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 all of them are edited. All of them they do the show and then they edit it and go through it and fix it up and make it pretty and then they put it out there. We don't. What you hear us do and what you're hearing us talk about is all live and that's unusual. And we've been doing this for 13 years, so. Uh, yep. That in itself is something. So, yep. and uh, and a big thank you to everybody out there for tuning in, uh, which of course will reiterate more than enough, uh, hopefully, uh, next yes. Thursday. But, oh uh, yeah, you know, uh, to all the guests and everything who've been with us, and uh, everybody's been tuning us, 
you know, in and whether it's live or archived or something, I really appreciate that. And kind of, uh, it, it does keep us going as well. So, uh, hey, thank you for that. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there was, uh, God, there was something I was going to say about, um, what was it? It wasn't Livermore. It was, uh, what you said? Oh, the uh, $95 box wine. What if you're having a, a party or a get together, you know, that, that, um, you know, having that three extra bottles in a box might come in handy at that point. There but you go. for the, you know, um, holidays, you know, you have, you know, big families come over or something, you know, grab a couple of box wines and that's all you have to worry about. And, uh, yeah. And, um, and you're not getting a cheap wine either. I mean, there, there's a, a lot mm-hmm. of cheap box wines, but you start getting $95, it's going to be good wine. Mm-hmm. People are going to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so it might be, it, it could come in handy. I don't know about an everyday type thing or every week, you know, Oh, I got to go get my three bottles of wine again. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't drink that much of it, but, uh, you know, it's to have it around here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. During, during, during holidays or if you're going to have a party or if you're going to have a, a group of people over for anything or something, you're right. That, that works well for that stuff. Yeah. So, um, well, and if they don't all drink right, at all, it's not going to go bad on you, too. You can still sip on it. So. Yeah. Yeah, still good. Um, all right. Well, we will uh, catch up to you, uh, and hopefully you will tune in uh, next week for the live show. If not, uh, tune in to archi- archives on uh, Thursday the 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern U.S. time for our anniversary special, and hopefully you will uh, enjoy it and throw in your comments and all that kind of stuff uh, for the yeah. show. and. Uh, it's gonna be pretty, it's gonna be pretty good. So it will be. Uh, Stay safe out there. We'll see you all. And we'll see you I'll next week. You. Thank you for tuning in. Keep talking. I have to go to my folder. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 all right. <laughs> I got. It. All right. All right. Stay we, safe. There we go. <laughs> I totally forgot. We're all right. There we go. Where we were. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwine.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly. And we'll see you next time on All About Wildfires. That's right. And in the green room. Yep.